Listen to this passage. Moses is speaking. This is his last message before he transitions off the scene. Everybody shout legacy. legacy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Shout one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Shout all. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them with when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Shout amen. 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 Please be seated. Lord, we ask that you would do something supernatural in our hearts and in our minds. You would just move us a little closer to who you're calling us to be, including the one teaching today in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin today in this uh, series, How to Build a Life That Outlives You, Legacy. The big idea that we want to really focus on is this. God's story. God's story of his unconditional love. God's story of his incredible power to change and transform God's story of his amazing forgiveness God's story of his work of redemption everybody shout redemption another word for redemption is his story of deliverance his story of rescue his story of salvation his story of transformation which we witnessed here that God's story unfolds through the stories of families across generations that's what we just saw here we saw a daughter Declaring that she grew up in the house of believers who prayed for her. She strayed away. But God's story pulled her back. And across the generation, it's working out in her life. We saw a husband and a wife. We saw a mother and her daughter. All reminders of how God's story of love and mercy and forgiveness and transformation is at work. Here's the big deal. So God has called all of us, claimed all of us, not only as individuals, but as families to be a part of his story. His work of transformation. Your family. My family. What's fascinating when we look at the biblical text is that in Matthew we see this long genealogy. I talked a little bit about this yesterday, last weekend rather. And the real insight from the long genealogy of 42 generations that ultimately starts at Abraham and leads to Jesus Christ. The real insight is, is this. That if you are part of God's story, if your family is at the center of God's story, then you and your family are a part of God's Legacy. 
Now that's different. Because for the last several weeks we've been talking about our legacy. But my insight today is it's one thing to think about your legacy and who's a part of your legacy. It's a whole nother thing to think about being a part of God's legacy. Today what we witness are folk who are becoming a part of God's legacy. And your family being a part of his legacy. Everybody shout legacy. legacy. Say God's legacy. Ask the person next to you, do you want to be a part of God's legacy? Ask them. So this is where Moses starts off. He starts off essentially by giving the Jewish people what we call the, what they call the Shema. It's really a creed that for generations have been said around the dinner tables and in synagogues all over the world from generation to generation, from family to family. And the first big point of this Shema and Moses starts off, it really starts off rooted in relationship and, and identity. He starts off by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That's another way of simply saying that there is only one God, and that one God should be the chief one, the chief relationship in your life. That one God. I had a, a mentor who once... Uh, who I went to lunch with one day, and Dr. Fred Sampson from Detroit, and a great preacher and pastor, and I asked him, I said, well, how do you handle devotion, Dr. Sampson? I said, you know, your prayer life, tell me about it. I said, do you get up early in the morning? And Doc, who always talked in literation, said, Hamilton, I think too much of my God to relegate him to an hour in my day. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't saying you shouldn't do devotions, but what Dr. Sampson was saying is that so often uh, we treat God, you know, we, 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 we push God to the edge of our life. That, that we get up in the morning and we might spend 15, 20 minutes with God, but the rest of the day... It's our career that's the center of our lives. It's our family that's the center of our lives. Or, or, we may say, you know, we give God an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. So we're not even going to give God the whole Sunday. But an hour and 15 minutes, that's you, God. But what Moses is saying when he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy, your God is one. He is the one. And you should love him with all of your heart. Everybody shout, all. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. What he was saying is really this little diagram I've drawn out here really quick. What he was saying was this. You can barely see it. But at the center, he was saying, Israel, remember that God's story should be at the very center of your story. And at the very center of your family's story. And at the very center of your children's story. And, and really, it's God's story at the center. And you interact with your family out of, the, out, of, out of understanding who you are in God's story, you interact with your love life, those of you who are dating, understanding who you are in God's story. It, it defines, you know, it, it, it helps you to figure out who I'm going to date, who I'm not going to date, where I'm going to take him or her on a date. It helps you to figure out where I'm going to go dancing at, how I'm going to go dance, because you know what? I'm a part of God's story. Come on, that's out God's story. 
Come on, it helps you to define what kind of career you're going to have and what are you going to do with your career. And, 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 and because you're trying to be a business person or an educator, uh, it helps you to think through, why am I going to school? It's the, because I want to allow my life to be an instrument for God's story. You see, God's story, as Moses says, should be at the very center of your story and your family's story. It's not a part of your life. It should define your life. Well, how does that look? The other week we had a, a couple weeks ago we had a night of prayer and worship. Shout mercy. <laughs> All right, I guess I won't be needing that anymore. Uh, uh, we had a night of prayer and worship, and Marvette uh, shared how a couple of months ago I talked about what our response should be in the context of race and violence. And some of you recall I did a whole series on it, but that first message I challenged us to go out and have relationships, have conversations, dialogues with people who don't look like us. And out of that came Connect Four, a whole initiative, four different ways to connect with people across race. Marvette shared that two days after the, I had taught that message, her husband, Eni, who's in that uh, picture, went to Baton Rouge to funeralize his cousin, who happened to have been Alden, Alton Sterling, one of the young African-American men who had been shot by a police officer in Baton Rouge. So they're very close to this whole situation. She said she was in the backyard and her next door neighbor who had been friends with her for quite some time a number of years was over and they've got the same uh, age kids so she invited her friend to come over and just join them and so the kids were playing in the backyard and Marvette said that she sat down her and her friend Marvette's African-American her friend was white they sat down in the grass in the backyard just talking and Marvette says the Holy Spirit brought back to her the message that I just preached a couple of days earlier and here she was, was talking to someone who's across, who's, who's different ethnicity than her. Her husband is going to this funeral. And she felt God prompting her, have the conversation. So finally she said, she decided, I'm going to go for it. This is relevant given our news cycle of the last week. Pay attention, this is relevant. I think God's speaking to us. And so she went for it. She said, hey, what do you think about what's going on in the news around race and violence? It's pretty heavy stuff, right? And she said, her neighbor just had a sigh of relief. She says, oh, thank you so much for bringing it up. I, I, had want to talk, I wanted to talk about it, but I just didn't know whether, how to do it, whether you'd be open to talk about it. And so they proceeded to talk about it. And at the very end of the conversation, the neighbor said, look, what can I do? How can I help? And Marvette said, well, look, just keep being a part of our family. Just keep uh, being my friend. Let your kid keep playing with my kid. And by the way, if you ever see my young African-American boy being mistreated because of race, would you just stand up for him and speak up for him? him and and the lady said absolutely and 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 in that very moment Marvette reveals what it looks like when you're a part of God's story who calls you to participate in being an instrument of unconditional love an instrument of his power an instrument of transformation an instrument of hope in the world right there in the backyard 
And then a few days later, her husband had returned. They were eating in the restaurant uh, in San Mateo and two police officers was out there. And Marvette said to her husband, and their son was with him, Marvette said to her husband, you know, we should go and uh, talk to those police officers. They were white police officers. And after his cousin just gotten killed by a police officer in Baton Rouge. He said, let's go and let's, let's let them know that we appreciate them. And let's get to know who they are and let them get to know who we are. And her husband says, you know, he didn't use these words, but I think this was his sentiments. Are you crazy? <laughs> the last person I want to talk to right now is a police officer. And Marvette being the amazing wife she is, she says, okay, I understand that. I'll respect that. So you just stay here. I'm going to go talk to him. And so Marvette got up and her son went with her. And the son ran out the door before her. And he had on a Spider-Man shirt. And he ran around the police officers. And so the police officers started having fun with this, uh, this young man. And then Marvette walked in and walked up and started uh, dialoguing. And she said they were so uh, informal and they were so kind. And, and she just let them know how much who she was. She appreciated them. And finally her husband came out. And when her African-American husband came out, she said immediately the response of the police was much more rigid, much more former much more you know prepared uh and then but he introduced himself he got into the dialogue they kind of relaxed one of the officers named ryan he you know they engaged they told some jokes a few days later her husband Ina, is walking down the street in san mateo a police car pulls up beside him and, and the window comes down and the police officer says hey i know you and it happened to be Ryan, who they hung out, you know, who they met earlier. And they just talked a little bit. And from now till this day, Ryan and, the, and, and his fellow police officers are engaged with Marvette and her family. And look at the transformation, the affirmation. My, my, my. This is what Moses is saying when he says, let, let, the, let God's story be the center of your story. And let his love and his power and his redemption work through your life. What's really fascinating is that her son is named Andrew. And Andrew was in the backyard when she was having this courageous conversation. And Andrew was there with, with her neighbor. And Andrew was there when she was having a courageous conversation with, uh, with the police officer. And so when Andrew grows up as a young African-American male, when his teenage, I'm sure, you know, if, if he engages his friend, they say, you can't trust police. Well, he'll, he'll, he'll have a story about how one of his cousins got killed by a police officer. But he'll have more stories about, about the police officers that he knows in his neighborhood and how and how, how you can't drudge a whole group of folk by just what a few people do. Come on now. And, 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 and what Moses is saying, that if you can allow the love of God to be the center of your life and be the center of your family life, then you can learn how to love other folk. The hard work of love. Everybody say the hard work of love. And then Moses says, impress this upon your children. He's saying, he's saying, impress, pass this down to your children so that they will know that God's story should be the center of their story and that their lives should be instruments for his grace and his power and his love to run through. And then Moses gets really practical. He says, now, here's what you need to do in order to pass this down to your kids. He says, you want to be practical, right? First, make it personal. Everybody say, make it personal. And then pass it down. Shout, pass it down. Okay, here's how you pass it down. Now, here's the point. One of my favorite uh, recent quotes is from a fellow by the name of Eugene Peterson. And Eugene Peterson says this. 
He says discipleship or becoming more like Jesus is essentially, essentially long obedience in the same direction. Say it with me. Long obedience in the same direction. See, at the end of the day, the problems that we're facing, there are many of them are generational problems and, and they won't be solved in, in one generation. You take race and violence, you know, we're not where we used to be in 1856 and we're not where we used to be in 1956. Come on, for that matter, we're not where we used to be in 1966. But there is still work to be done and what God is saying, to, that what Marvette and what all of us are called to do as we impress upon our children just one example of the love of God and be courageous as God calls us to be, is to be a part of a generational solution. Everybody say generational. So Moses said, you got you to pass this down, you got to pass this down, you got to pass down. You got to pass down who God is and his love and his call and his story. So he gives us four practices. Here, here's what Moses says. Remember, long obedience, same direction. Here's what he says. He says, here's how you do it. Engage or use the natural rhythms of life to invest in your kids. Use the natural rhythms, rhythms of life to invest. So here's, here's the point. Here's what he says. Look, look. He says, he says, so talk about them. What? The verse earlier, he says, you know, these commandments that I've given you, they are to be upon your heart. And you are, see, so first it's, it's, it's love. That's relationship that moves towards rules. The rules embodies the love and the trust of God. And that's to be upon your heart. Make it personal and then impress it upon your children. Uh, how do I do this? Talk about them, the commandments, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, here's, here's, here's a modern day translation. Meal time, drive time, going to bed time, getting up time. No matter what culture you are, you have to do those four things. All right, in Moses' culture, you know, to sit at home was to sit around a meal. So here's the first big point, practical, of how to pass this stuff down to my children and to my grandchildren and to my nephews and to my nieces. And, and if you are young adults and you're not married, but, but you know folk who have kids, you, you can pass this advice on to them uh, to, because we're all responsible for the next generation. Here's the first point. First point is, by the way, we all ought to have some meal times. Even in Silicon Valley. We all ought to have some time when we sit down at the same table as a family and eat. And if that is taken from you, you lose something incredibly important that is necessary to feature family. All right. So my wife and I, we have a rule. Uh, our goal is that I, I do dinner twice a week at home. Uh, that whatever we're doing, I try to get home for twice a week. And oftentimes I get to eat three times a week, and sometimes maybe even four times a week. But the minimum is twice. And there are times like the last couple of weeks where that just blew out of the window. And I think I got home one week, one, one time. And, and I think last week I didn't make it at all. And, and, and I remember early in my marriage when that would happen, you know, you know there'd be a big fight. Oh my goodness, talking about marriage retreat. There'd be a big old fight. And, and, 
and I'd be feeling guilty and all of that. But when I'm around her, she doesn't even bother me about it at all. She, she would remind me, you know, she, she said, you know, you, you missed last week. I said, I got it, I got it. Because she knows, and I, because when I miss, I feel it. All right, so what's the importance of this mealtime? Here it is, very quickly. At mealtime, you should take on, as it relates to your kids, you should take on the role of what we call teacher, backslash facilitator. I, I, I prefer to use the word facilitator, not teacher, because, because really, uh, it is not a time for lecture. Now, I'm just being honest, my wife and Lauren, from time to time, have to call me on this. And here's how they usually say, Daddy, are you preaching? It's a no cell phone, it's a cell phone free zone time. No cell phone, no iPad. It's a TV free zone time, no TV. We can focus on one another. And inside of that, we're trying to do, we're trying to reinforce values. If I say values. That's what Moses is saying. He's saying, let this be upon your heart. What? These commandments. What's about the commandments? The commandments embody the values of God's love and trust that he's trying to pass down. And so, before you can pass values down, you got to know what your values are. So, I challenge you. Again, I've said this before, that if you, you ought to have about at least three values. Two or three. Not a long list. Just two or three that, that, that are priority for you to teach and reinforce in your home. So you got to you figure out what they are. If you don't know, make a note right now. I've got to figure out before the end of the week, what are the values I'm going to live by? The top three values that we reinforce are, you've heard me say this before, are humility, putting other people first, generosity, pouring ourselves out, being known as givers, not takers, uh, 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 and integrity, people of truth. And we try to reinforce that. Not by saying to Lauren, get out your notepad. Today we're going to do a lesson on humility. No. But inside of the, we, it's, it's about story. Everybody say stories. So dinner time is about stories or breakfast because we do Saturday morning breakfast and that. So whatever the meal time, it's about stories. So Rhonda shares a story uh, often about how she's pouring herself out, trying to work with some of her past patients who are very difficult and very hard. And sometimes the stories are heart-wrenching. Sometimes they're a little funny and... And, and, you know, she'll finish talking about the, how she has stretched, stretched, stretched to really get this patient to take a medicine or to stop a behavior. And from time to time, Lauren is sitting there and he's listening. And, and at, 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 at some point in the story, she essentially says to mom, she says, Mommy, here's what I would do if I was you. <laughs> I would simply say, follow the instructions and live or don't and die. Next patient. <laughs> okay Lord this is why we have it this time and we're reinforcing those values meal time second is is drive time or travel time uh, this is where you really take on the role of friend this is while you're driving I take Lauren to, uh, to the train to get a hit for school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday four days a week generally and so we have drive time and, 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 and this is where you become a friend, where you get inside of their lives. You, you find out, you know, what kind of music they're listening to and why do, what songs do they like and what's the favorite lyrics about the songs and, and what are they reading and writing about in school. And, and you get the latest gossip about what's happening with their friends and who says what and who's doing what. And, and then, you, then you ask some basic questions. Well, what do you think about that? 
Because you're beginning to help your children interpret life informally. It's a friend. Now, sometimes you have to fight with him, and Lauren and I, uh, you know, usually Lauren feels like when she gets in the car with Daddy that he's going to probably get in lecture mode. So she gets, close, gets her phone quickly and starts reading. It's her way of saying, maybe you'll leave me alone. So the other day we were around and I said, Lauren, look, we got this drive time. You know, you always don't come and look, look, let's just hang out together. Kind of, you know, daddy just want to connect with you a little bit, you know. So I said, she, she got it. So the last couple of days she's been putting her phone down and we've just been engaging a little bit. That's been pretty amazing. One day we were super, super late. And so we're praying, rushed out, got in the car and we started racing. On, it just turned out all the lights were green. And the roads were clear at a time they shouldn't be clear. So we, we started out late, got there early. All right, so while we're sitting in the parking lot, I said, Lauren, I said, wow. I said, man, look at God's favor. Then I realized she doesn't know what God's favor is. So let me, I got to bring it down. I said, Lauren, do you know what a miracle is? She says, yes. It's when God does something supernatural. I said, do you know that there are some miracles that are not supernatural? That they are just natural? That God is just working inside of the natural. I said, so when those lights all lined up, it's just another way for us to be reminded that when things line up in your life, God is at work. They helped her to interpret. And so, counsel, third is, uh, is when you put them to bed. Now, I know most of us, we, we can't wait till the kids get old enough so we can send them to bed. Because it's like, oh, God, please, okay, at the end of the day, okay, please go to bed, right? Okay, uh, 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 we, we get this. But, 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 but here's an important point. There's something, listen, if you ever raise teenagers, you, you will have this experience. You, you'll, you'll be engaging with them. They get very upset, and they storm out, storm into their room, and slam the door. Everybody say slam the door. Now, they're communicating with you when they slam the door. And what they're essentially saying is, A, leave me alone. And B, the door is symbolic of their heart. It's closed. So, when you spend a little time with them in their room, like putting them to bed, the goal is to get inside of their intimate space. And to listen to their heart as it evolves in that intimate space and in a, informally just become their counselor, their, their, their advisor as they share their heart. Now, Rhonda's so much better at this than me. I mean, I'll go in the room for a moment and mess with and play with and leave. But, but Rhonda on Saturday mornings and during the evenings, she, you'll find Rhonda. So she's just hanging out in Lauren's room with Lauren. And they're just talking. And sooner or later, Lauren will just share her heart and Rhonda can counsel her daughter so the text says tell them as you lay them down and then when you get up in the morning this is this is really the role of being coach everybody say coach you know a coach just before the team goes out to play the coach has to think of one big thing or at halftime one big thing to remind that team who they are their value their purpose their power and you know he says he's got to come up with that one big thing before they exit out the door and that's how we should use our morning times this is something i'm still working on uh this is how we should use our morning times. what is that one thing that we're going to say to that child that's going to help that child be equipped for the rest of the day one thing one thing maybe it's an extra long hug it's just, a, she's ready to go, but just an extra, no, no. And then, I just want you to know I love you. 
Maybe it's a note that you've written, you put in the lunch that says, I'm proud of you. On email, they open up when they get to school on their phone that says, you know, you're a pretty amazing child. Or maybe, uh, whatever it is, but you, 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 you find a way to remind your child that he or she is beautiful, that he or she has purpose, that he or she uh, is highly favored and highly valued, that they're on the planet for a divine purpose, that you actually see them. And you send them off. You know what? You don't know what they're going to run into for the rest of the day. But if they got a good coach in the morning, they can handle it. Because they're reminded of who they are. All right. Now, what if you're a young adult? Or your kids are older? Or they're grown? You say, well, I'm past this. Well, no, no, no. This all applies. This is important. First of all, first of all, if you're in college or you're a young adult, you know, you just have to translate this. Maybe it means, it means, you know, you don't have, maybe it means that you make sure that you have, I had one mother told me today that she has dinner with her son actually every night. Her grown son. Maybe it means uh, that you call up your parents and you have dinner with them once or twice a month. By the way, if you're young people here, I know you're going to ask for a new iPhone 7. I know you're going to probably ask for some tennis shoes. I know you're going to ask to go over to so-and-so's house to do the, spend that weekend, whatever. But ask your parents for at least one meal time a week. Or maybe if you're in college or somewhere else, maybe you'll decide that before I go to bed, I'm going to email my, my parents. Or I'm going to call them at least once a week. And, and, you, and, and you figure out how to, how to, how to, how to do that. If, you're, if your children are local, I'm going, to, I'm going to eat with them twice a month. Your grandkids, you know, I'm going to, when I spend time with them, I'm going to do it around a meal. And we'll figure that out. You know, that, you can apply these principles. Broadening your life because we're all responsible for the next generation. Here's the last point. Moses was talking to the entire community when he shared this. He, was, he, he said, our children, he wasn't just talking to the parents, though. He was talking to the spiritual leaders in the community. He was talking to uncles and aunts and siblings and cousins. You know, that in fact, we all have to share. So here's the last point. Learn how to leverage the relationships of your spiritual community, this community right here. All right, here's a, here's a good insight that you need to know. That when your teenagers become teenagers... They are looking for about two or three other adults that can advise them and affirm them other than you. Because they conclude when they become a teenager, they already know what you, what you think. And they already know what you're going to say. So they're looking for other adults. All right, so you need to be proactive. Everybody say proactive. And, and be busy trying to help identify some other adults who, who they can learn to trust, who can speak into their lives as people of faith. That's one of the reasons why you bring them here to church week after week, right? Because one of the gifts of this community is its diversity. And one of the ways to make a generational difference is that I know that my daughter Lauren, an African-American girl, is going to be taught by white uh, small group leaders and Asian and Latino and that these people are going to love into her and she's going to learn how to love them. And just being a part of this community is transformation. I'm leveraging the relationships of this community. Secondly, it's a drive for connection. It's why you, some of us just come and leave. No, you want to come and connect. Come on, say it with me. Say, come and connect. Say that. Connect. Why? Because as you connect with people 
throughout this uh, four or five other people, they might become the next heroes for your kids that you're looking for. All right, so we're going to practice this real quick. I'm at the end of the message. We're going to practice. I thought we'd practice this to make it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about. I'm going I'm to ask you in a moment. You're going to share it with somebody. I want you to, uh, everybody say name. name. Say occupation. occupation. Say where I'm, from. where I'm from. One interesting thing about me. Say that. Interesting fact, all right? So name, occupation, where I'm from, and an interesting fact. Okay, let me model. My name is Herman Hamilton. I'm from Cushada, Louisiana. Uh, I'm the pastor here of NBCC. And here's one interesting fact. When I was a teenager, I did a mean impersonation of the $6 million man. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Oh, <laughs> Now, those of you who don't know $6 million, you missed it. But, but if you did, you know, you know, you know that. All right. <laughs> My wife said, please don't demonstrate, please. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody shout, connect. Yeah. All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, in just a minute, I'm going to count to three. When I say three, I want you to stand up. I want you to find two or three people that you didn't come here with. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them your name, your occupation, where you're from, and one interesting fact. And when, you, when they tell you that, say thank you. And then you share it together. All right? One, two, three, connect. Come on, get up and find two or three people. Let's go. Three seconds, three seconds left. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Boy, this feels great, right? All right. All right. Shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. All right, sit down. Everybody sit down and give God a hand praise. 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 Come on. All right, come on. Take a seat. Take a seat. Put a, I'm going to let you finish it after church. I'm going to let you finish it after church. I'm just tell them we'll finish this after church. We're going to be over in three minutes. Wow. Come on, say wow. Wow. Isn't it powerful when you connect with somebody? It's different. And that's what you've been missing when you've been coming and leaving, coming and leaving. I want you to think, come and connect. Come and connect. Now, I interrupted your conversation so you can finish it up after, after, the, serve, after the gathering. All right? Three quick things. One, you want to connect for your own self. You want to get to know other people. God has planted you here. Leverage the relationships. There are some gifts, some blessings that you need to access. And that you can be to others. Secondly, you want to connect for your kids and your grandkids. Because you're looking for two or three other folk who can be heroes for them. 
And then when you go pick up your kids from CYM, don't just rush in and rush out. They're in small groups. Take a moment and get to know some of the parents that share the same small group and, and get a play date with your CYM small group parents and the kids. Get to know a couple of folk because you're looking for heroes and you're looking for the next way that God wants to minister to your life. Here's where I end. My favorite verse in the last 24 hours. <laughs> Isaiah 46. This is what I want my kid. This is what I want Lauren to know and Jonathan to know. And this is what I want to remember. Just listen to this. He says, listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I really want my kids to hear this. I have cared for you. Some of you need to hear this. Since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. Next verse. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair turns white with age. Listen to what he says. I made you and I will, I will, God says, I will care for you. And the last verse is my favorite. He says, I will carry you along. Anybody in here needs to be carried along? And I will save you. And God does that through His Son, Jesus Christ. But He also does it through our spiritual community. And He does it through our families. Can you say amen and give God a hand, please? All right. So on your connection card, it's an opportunity for you to take a step towards legacy, being a part of God's legacy. So some, you, you, you need to check that space on your card that says, I want to commit to Jesus. I really do. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want to start fresh. Somebody else, you need to be thinking about connection. And for you, you know, you, 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 it may be joining a small group. That's connection. That's a way to connect. You heard the young man, the, the husband who said, you know, someone invited him on a beautiful day to a small group. And he connected and God started to work in his life. But maybe it's serving. You heard him say, but the first, it started with him being a beautiful day. And so maybe, maybe you don't have to be a member of this church to serve at all. You can just, you know, say, I want to connect someone, join the hospitality park and, you know, just... Just say, I want to volunteer once or twice a month. I, I want to do it because I want to connect. But under the, or maybe it's baptism. You know, we've got clothes right here. And somebody, you know what? I know that God has been working in somebody's heart right now. So don't worry about clothes. We got you. We're going to dress you. All right? But when this is over in just about three, 30 seconds, or two minutes because they got to sing and let you sign the card. I'm going to want you to come up here. Pastor Dan Monroe is going to be up here. And I want you to just tell your friends, you know what? Today is the day I'm going to be baptized. Today is the day that I'm going to allow God to mark and seal my life with his grace. Today is that day. Come on, everybody say, today is the day. Today is the day. Somebody's got to speak. So when we finish singing, you're not going to go home. You're going to, you're going to come right on up here. Under the response to the message, I simply want you to write this. If you are ready to make this commitment, it's a simple commitment. It's a little bit like last weekend. I will invest 
in the next generation. Why? Because part of God's story is to set us up to be a generational solution. God bless you.